Hello, and welcome to Two Houses, a podcast about two people living with DID. I'm Valentine. And I'm Vader. We're here. We are here. We actually have a really fun one today. Yeah. Uh, wow. Sorry, we were laughing a lot beforehand, so I'm, uh, I'm just here. I'm getting here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, hey, you know what? Let's be really cool this time. Let's do like a cool, like chill <laughs> intro. And I was like, uh, okay, do you want to lead me on that? And so guys, you were here for it. That's what it looked like. <laughs> this is me leading. Just super awkward. Like, <laughs> hey, we're here. <laughs> well done. <laughs> super chill. Uh, Welcome. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> we're here. We're super chill. Um, So maybe we should discuss kind of what we have in mind for like season two type of vibe season two of podcasts yeah season yes. two of podcasts. uh well i mean as far as i know there's no um there's no like goal because we discussed a lot in season one about did yeah we covered a lot of basics and so now that a lot of that basic stuff is out of the way uh we're free to kind of discuss the more nuanced more you know diverse yeah there's comorbid stuff um just kind of mental illness in general and some i'm sure just more specifics about like what it's like now what are we living through day to day we're not Mm -hmm. giving you specific this is what this kind of altar is like when you meet them no uh we're past that that's season one stuff oh you guys are pros by now (laughs) so we can move on now we're gonna get into a lot more but at the same time, these are just conversations that we end up having with each other anyway. Yeah. About mental health and the kind of struggles and challenges and, you know, experiences. Did yeah. I already? No. I, sounds good to me. No. It all sounded correct. <laughs> so, yes, we're going to be um, continuing on. And there is so much. There is just so much to consider, so much to learn, so much to kind of work through mm-hmm. that we're we're out of basics baby yeah we're in we're sophomore year sophomore wow i know <sighs> was never good in high school that's okay that's okay can you can you picture me in high school yeah i mean me oh you see i always when you say that i think of trend because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know that she was out in high school and so i see that but you no i can't imagine it mm-hmm uh, you would probably be a nervous wreck. I probably would. Just anxiety. <laughs> Out the wazoo. All I wanted to do was play Halo on the Xbox. Those were the parts that I was a part of. Oh, you did that? Yeah, I played a lot of Halo. Mm-hmm. And then Trid wanted to be all into boys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want... But stepped out of that. Um, and then I was also pretty into like the BMXing. Stuff. Oh yeah, bike stuff. Yeah. Cool. I used to do a wheelie. You used to do a wheelie. Yeah, I used to be able to ride on one wheel. Um, fell on our arm one time and that hurt. Mm. Tail as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a fun little rabbit hole we went down. Um so anyway, uh part of what helps us kind of process um and explore mental health elements is honestly tv shows depending on the tv show whether it's a documentary Mm -hmm. or um a tv show maybe we've heard along the way that people have said like this is a good show because of x y and z right um which brings us to which brings us to what we're going to be discussing today (laughs) so the show that we are currently watching um, I've finished it, and you haven't, so yeah. I'm watching it a second time with you. Mm-hmm. But it's okay, because I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's really good. And um, the show is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. And it's right now available on Netflix. Um, I knew about this show. I've known about this show for years. And I've heard really good things about it. But it wasn't until the past month that I actually gave it a go. Mm-hmm. And part of that is why, uh, because, um, 
so it's basically a story about a woman who is experiencing um like a lot of positive and negative and just experiencing life but she has a mental illness she has mm-hmm. you know a struggle and um i knew because uh, it comes out in season three, they tell you what her diagnosis is. Um, everything up to that is kind of leading up to and showing you the hows and whys of why it would be that. Mm-hmm. But um, before ever watching an episode of this show, I had heard about it from somebody. And so I knew going in what her diagnosis was. And um, I had avoided the show because of that, because of the diagnosis. And um, I'm so glad that I've given it a shot because it's so good. Yeah. It's so clever. It's so heartwarming. And it's all about a person's kind of struggle with mental health. Yeah. Um, it's funny, it's kind, it's compassionate. Um, and I, I just waited a very long time to give it a go because the people in my life who have that diagnosis have always been um I mean, they struggle. Mm-hmm. They struggle. And I, I've seen it up close. And it's hard for them. And it's been hard for me. And uh, so I kind of just didn't want to even give it a chance. But having watched the entire show, I am so glad I did. Yeah. It definitely oh, has opened up like some new doors for yeah. me. I, like, I haven't finished it. But, um, yeah. There's so um, much compassion in it mm-hmm. for this person who's suffering and just you kind of go on the ride with her of like she doesn't know starting out that she has this diagnosis. She doesn't know what she's actually dealing with. She just knows that she doesn't feel right and she feels mm-hmm. like other people have a gauge of what life is supposed to be and how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to be an adult. Sounds relatable. Yeah, it's really relatable. <laughs> but she doesn't know what exactly is going on with her to make her struggle so much. Yeah. And so it's kind of a journey. And in season three, you do find out what her diagnosis is. And it's hard for her. Yeah. We'll get to that. But we'll get to that. Um, we're kind of just going to go through, like, the next few episodes. It's just going to be broken down kind of, like, by season. Yeah, there's four seasons in total. Mm-hmm. Today, we're just going to go into season one. Season one. So... If that synopsis has intrigued you and you want to have your own journey without our feedback or input or whatever, um, probably stop now. Yeah, and come back once you've watched it. But we're only talking about season one today. There will be no spoilers about anything else. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we can get into kind of what it's about. What is this show about? Whoa. First episode, first scene. <laughs> like, what are we dealing with here? Well, the very first scene, we jump into seeing a young Rebecca Bunch. Rebecca Bunch is our hero in it, our darling, um, our main character. And she's like, they kind of like hint at a couple of things. Right early off, on. Like, very early right on. Right off the bat. Um, I think the reason why she was even able to come to that camp was because she, like, th- like threatened suicide. Yeah, so it begins... Uh, the, the actress playing Rebecca is, I think, in her 20s, maybe late 20s, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but the first scene is kind of a throwback. It starts you off in a throwback of her being 16, I want to say, yeah. at summer camp. Mm-hmm. And it's important that they do this. It's a really interesting way to start the show because you kind of get to see something that later in her life affects yeah. her so much um but it's right like off the bat taking an adolescent um behavior yes which something at that age would have been sort of normal yeah but it carried through all the way until i think she's like what it's 10 years later once we so, in the next scene so yeah 26 she talks about is she 26 and i think she's one? supposed to be 26 in season okay. one yeah okay so some things we get um it's very interesting how they kind of set it up because the overall feel of the first episode and the early episodes is like this is a fun Mm rom-com but it's very juxtaposed with these little hints that there's something 
kind of dark under the surface. There's something more going on here because um, very very first episode, we hear a couple things that are not elaborated on, yeah, but are kind of like, wait, what? Um, so one of those would be that she, when she's 16 at the summer camp, kind of casually says to her boyfriend, Josh, that, oh, I got to come to this summer camp instead of doing, um, like pre-lawyer camp. Yeah. Um, because I told my dad that I was having suicidal ideation. So I got to come here and do musical theater stuff instead. Um, and that's kind of just thrown out there as like, oh, okay. And Josh is an important name. Josh. To remember. Yes, Josh is something. the reason why they pinpoint this moment in time is because it's a time period where she felt the most happiest. Yeah, when she was 16 years old with this boy Josh, she felt happy at this summer camp where she was putting on plays. Yeah. But then very quickly we see her 10 years later. She's 26. She's a really um, professional lawyer in New York, uh, but she's very unhappy. She seems kind of... Um, empty. Yeah. Let's rewind real quick. And sorry. We'll go back. I'm sorry. That. Go ahead. No. The other important part about the summer camp scene is that it shows Josh breaking up with her. Yeah, that's important. So she um, had this great time with him and then he leaves and he's like, yeah, you're kind of, what does he say? He's like, you're kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not going to work out. I'm going to leave. Bye. And I have a girlfriend. He doesn't say that. He doesn't. Oh, really? They don't remember. <laughs> Oh, so okay. yes, yeah, this is all we see that she had like a two month relationship when she was sixteen years old, and it has impacted her. Yeah, and so we see her next in her adult life where she seems very sad and very numb, but she's also very successful. Very successful, very good lawyer, um, and she's going to be promoted. Yeah, to like what partner? Partner of this huge New York City law firm. Yeah, so she's doing well. She's done excellently for herself in terms of her job. Yeah, but she. Um, once she hears that she's going to be promoted, she freaks she out, freaks out and she like runs out the building and based off of her like behaviors that start to happen, her symptoms that start to happen, it seems like she's having a panic attack. Right. And she reaches for some pills and accidentally drops them. But yeah, we get the sense, huh, this person has been prescribed something for, you know, anxiety or panic mm-hmm. attacks. Like what's going on here? And then she sees this guy, Josh, who is an adult now, like herself, in New York. And it seems like there's all these signs pointing to him in kind of a very literal way. Yeah. And I think the maybe important aspect of the signs is to mention that it involves butter commercials <laughs> and butter logos and with very specific, like, when was the last time you were happy? Yeah, but that's brings the... her back to the summer camp, camp. The summer camp. So that's where her mind goes. She starts questioning, wait, when was the last time I was happy? Am I happy right now? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be happy if I take this promotion? Because I'm not happy. Then she runs into Josh and he's just like, hey, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't seen you for 10 years. And she's like, oh my God, yay. And we should hang out. And he's like, oh no, I'm moving home. New York didn't work out for me. And she's like, oh cool. Where do you live? And he tells her West Covina, California. Yep. <laughs> and uh, he that's it. That's the end of their kind of interaction. Kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, bye. Nice seeing you. And then from there, just things get a little weird. She starts to create this narrative that Josh Chan is the reason her whole, like, it's like her whole life has led up to this one meet-cute. Yeah. You know, this is where the love story can begin Begin, yes. Um, And she goes into this full, like, obsessive kind of love story mode with this guy who just kind of said hi to her for five minutes on the street. He said, I... Heading back to West Covina. If yeah. you're in town, hit me up. Hit me up. Yeah. And so she decides to decline the um the promotion. Decline the promotion and just move to West Covina, California yep. on a whim. Uh because she wants to pursue him. Now this is kind of strange behavior. This is not normal, like this is a little questionable behavior on her part, but she's telling herself this is all good. This is all signs. This is all positive. I'm going to have my life now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, this, they were in New York, and now they're clear across the country. Right. To West Covina, California. They say the name a lot. West Covina is like its the own very, character. Oh, that's the other part of the show, is that it's set up in a musical type of way. Yes. So you have, like, you know, your main script, and then during certain specific moments, people will have their own kind of song. Right. And but none obviously of it's... it focuses more around Rebecca Bunch. Yeah. But... Technically, Rebecca imagines these songs. It's happening in her head. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the cast are obviously cast because they can sing as well as act. So they do their own numbers. But um, a lot of it is in her own mind when she's trying to work something out that's a little difficult. She goes into a musical number and we see that happen. Um, so it's very entertaining and it's very well written and yeah. I love musical theater and the show is just spot on. It's uh, very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of shows a lot of different kinds of musical numbers, like yeah. very different styles based on whatever's happening. And it's just kind of like a love letter to to musical theater. Yeah. It's great. Um, but the story is very serious, even yeah. though it has these very lighthearted moments. Like the very first song, really, that we're introduced to is the West Covina. West Covina. And what's interesting about that song is, and I think it becomes like the opening song for yeah. season one. Yeah. Um, she's like listing all these reasons why she's moving to West Covina, like, you know the sunshine or with the beach or you know big pretzels whatever just all these irrelevant things and this guy josh just just happens happens to to be be here (laughs) (laughs) like i didn't move for josh that would be crazy oh my god i'm not crazy but really she did she did move him for this guy move there for him for this guy guy. yeah (laughs) she moved there for him so but even in episode one, we get hints of there's there's more underneath the surface with Rebecca. Clearly, yeah. this is a very impulsive decision. Yeah. Very clearly. But in the very first episode, we overhear kind of a voicemail from her mom in New York, who's kind of like, Rebecca, what are you doing? This is crazy. I can't believe you're doing something this, you know, impulsive. Are you, is this like what happened in college? Because you put a lot of people out when you had that suicide attempt. And that's all we get because she turns off the phone. She's like, nope, not listening. And we also see her pouring out a bunch of medication into the sink, just getting rid of it. So we don't know what the meds are, but we definitely get the sense like, hold on a minute. Is this person struggling with their mental health? Because clearly they have prescribed medication Mm -hmm. and clearly they have a history of at least one suicide attempt. Yeah. But she's so involved in this brand new, everything's going to be perfect from this moment on in my life. Everything's beautiful. That it's not, we don't know more about it yet. Yeah. No, and like... When she, like, she finds, like, a job in the area. Like, she goes to extreme lengths to immerse herself into West Covina. Yes. To, like, really portray that she has a reason to be there that's not Josh Chan. And she's lying to everyone. Every single person she encounters in West Covina. Whether she's trying to be their friend or trying to steal their boyfriend, Mm -hmm. or trying to just get a job. It's all, everything is a lie. It's so easy for her to lie rather than tell the truth. Which brings in a character that I want to mention now, which is Paula. Paula! Um, Paula, her first impression of Rebecca Bunch is that there's something off about her. Why would this... (laughs) high-performing lawyer who was making half a million dollars a year come to this tiny little law firm in West Covina. Why? What? There's, it's not adding up for her. So yeah. she needs to find out what's going on. And she she <clears throat> definitely is someone who is also able to go through great lengths to achieve something. <laughs> yeah, Paul is an interesting character. Um... And them, them together, it's like this beautiful mixture of like perfect friendship and also so toxic. 
Yeah. It's amazing to watch because you, you care about both of them, but also sometimes when they're together, you're like, oh, no, you need to stop. Yeah. It's like somehow <clears throat> they enable one another. Yeah. So Paula is um, a little older than Rebecca. She's in her 40s. And she, we get kind of hints very early on about her character, too, which is just that she's um, really into things like Twilight and Outlander, like romance novels. Mm -hmm. She's kind of very interested in that escapism of romance. Mm -hmm. But she herself has been married for quite a while. She has two kids. Who are in high school. Yeah. And... But she's not really, like, interested or even invested in her personal, like, her life. Mm -hmm. She's more interested in escapism. So it's kind of an interesting matchup of those two getting together. And part of what makes it feel like a rom-com setup is that there's so many hijinks. Yeah. They, the two of them get into so many, you know, kind of funny, but also very illegal things yeah. that they do. All in the effort to win Josh's heart. Yeah. So that Rebecca and Josh can end up together. And, um, and that's because... Paula goes to, when I say extreme lengths, to figure out why Rebecca Bunch is there. She does learn why Rebecca Bunch is in West Covina. Right. So she and hacks that's... into her information yeah. <laughs> and says, like, I saw that you checked this guy's Facebook and Instagram this like many, many times. times. You're here for him. And so Rebecca has to come clean about it. Like, okay, mm -hmm. fine, whatever. And then she's like, no, I'm going to help you. You're here for love. Mm -hmm. I believe in that. We're going to work together. We're going to be friends. I would be honored to be your friend. And that's kind of, you know, Where, the end of episode one. Yeah. But yeah, Paula's got her issues in that she'd rather kind of invest in this silly hijink stuff than really be involved in her own life. And that is helpful to Rebecca's cause, but not helpful to Rebecca's mental health. Yeah. No. So, uh, throughout season one, we see uh, plenty of symptoms that later on make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, those would be, should I just list them? Yeah. And we can go from there. And you can, like, um, jump in if you want to give an example or mm -hmm. be like, oh, that one's important, you know? So, first of all, impulsive. From the get-go. Yeah. Super <laughs> impulsive decision-making. Secondly, super important, obsession. Mm -hmm. The obsession with love, with Josh specifically. Um, there's a lot of black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, I was waiting for you to continue. Oh, I thought you had an example. <laughs> um, yeah, if she's feeling happy, she's totally happy. And if she's feeling sad, it's like the world is over. You know, very black and white. Yeah. Um, so the the thing about her is that abandonment, the fear of abandonment is huge. It's like the main thing that drives her. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the season one, they do show like kind of the Rebecca that gets shown to the world and her friends. Um, the person she gives to Paula is very different. Right. Than, Right. So it's like you can tell that she's close to Paula. She is close to Paula. And even Paula is not close enough for Rebecca to talk about the music numbers that go on in her head. So, like, there's levels. And, like, the dark thoughts. Dark thoughts. Yes, yeah. Because, like, like I said, we do see, like, it's either, like you said, all good or all bad. And when it's not, when she has that moment of abandonment or rejection or you know something didn't go the way that she had kind of tried to get it to go um she just kind of falls into a deep depression very and, quickly um the thing that like was kind of interesting about was those scenes is that there's this one where she was like depressed and just laying on the couch and not doing anything you know like we've all been there just not wanting to do anything and her mom calls and she has to like it shows her like taking a deep breath picking up the phone she wants to keep the conversation short but she puts on a show and then after the phone call throws the phone down and just goes back to just laying 
and just staring off like that dissociative mm-hmm. stuff where you're just in pain, but and you can't even focus on anything. But she's able to fake it for short amounts of time, mm-hmm. and she, a lot of season one is her like leaving. Um, kind of social gatherings because she feels sad and she's just like no I just want to leave I just want to be alone so a lot of that like feeling of abandonment or rejection she goes straight to I want to be alone and she goes into a depression mm-hmm. so depression is a big one um, some point in season one uh, she starts to regret that she threw all her pills away because she starts to feel very sad and she's yeah. like oh oh no, I don't like this feeling. I want to feel numb like the meds made me feel. So she goes, there's a bunch of hijinks Mm -hmm. of trying to get pills again. Um, So yeah, and then she's also, um, she does get a therapist in season one, but mainly because she's trying to get meds off this person. Yeah. What actually ends up happening is the, the woman, Dr. Okopian, um, says, look, I don't really know you at all. I'd rather talk to you and find out what's going on with you before I prescribe anything. Yeah. So Rebecca's like, fine, I agree. I will come to sessions. But then, like, season one, she really doesn't much. She's always calling to cancel. She's always showing up for five minutes and then leaving because she gets distracted by something. There is yeah. no actual work done in therapy in season one. Yeah. And that's, you know, the therapist is kind of getting frustrated, getting frustrated by it. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like an ongoing sad joke is that the doctor, you know, the the therapist is just constantly frustrated with Rebecca. Like, you, you need to show up, you need to try, you know, and she just doesn't. She just goes and does something else because something else is more shiny, more interesting in that moment. She doesn't want to connect with what might be really going on. Yeah. Or she thinks that she is connecting. Right. Um, Just that, like, that image that, you know, she's in therapy, she's, like, getting better, but just that, like, small sounding board, she, like, interprets things in a very different way. Right. So she'll go in. She'll be like, I'm having a problem. How do I deal with this? And Dr. Okopian will say something. And she'll be like, oh my god. Great idea. Okay. I'm going to go do that. And it's there's no actual un, like talking about yeah, anything. She's not actually present with the purpose of what therapy is there for. Right. It's just kind of like... Someone else to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. And the therapist is clearly frustrated by it. Um, another, so actually that's a good place to kind of mention the therapist tries a couple times to talk about her parents. Yeah. Um, so what do we know from season one about Rebecca's parents? Her dad left when she was young. I think she was 12. Yeah. And then her mom is kind of a, what's the word? She's a little overbearing. Ex- yeah. Overbearing. More than anything, it's that Rebecca doesn't feel like her mom shows her love. Mm-hmm. And her mom is very villainized. Yeah, by Rebecca, for sure. And um, Rebecca believes that her mom's the reason that her dad left her and never tried to continue a relationship with her. Yeah. So there's early abandonment in her life, definitely. And that definitely comes into play later. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if anybody listening is like hearing these symptoms and they're like, oh, I know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) I know where this is going. Um, I'm actually, I feel kind of sad that I didn't get to watch it without knowing because I wonder if I would have pieced it together too. Hmm. Knowing what I know, if I would have seen this and been like, oh, I know what her diagnosis is going to be. Yeah. Eh, Who knows? The only reason I know it is because you knew it. Yeah. Because I told you. I'm sorry I ruined it for you. (laughs) We could have had it. Yes, we could have had it, here. yeah. But um, so other things, other uh behaviors of hers that are very questionable, that kind of play into the diagnosis that comes later, but are very present even from the get go. Um, she acts out for attention. Yes, um, there's a episode that involves a party bus mm-hmm. that is because she really wants 
like the narrative that she tells herself is she really wants to make friends and i do believe that like a part of her really does want to make real connections Mm -hmm. with people but there's the underlying truth to it that she's doing it to get closer to josh chan like she wants to show up and be like one of the guys and like somehow some way be like cool yeah it's very interesting watching her because you do believe that she does want to actually make friends and it's very difficult for her you know this Mm -hmm. should be checking some boxes here um it's very difficult the interpersonal relationships but she's trying Mm -hmm. she's also going about it wrong and she um she puts on a performance in that sort of uh setting and everybody all these people she's trying to make friends with are kind of horrified they're like whoa lady that's inappropriate Mm -hmm. And she doesn't seem to get that it's an inappropriate behavior. And it's because everything that led up into that performance that she gives was everybody had their own sort of connection going with somebody else in the... It triggered her. It triggered her. Like, she was the, what, eighth wheel? Seventh wheel? Yeah, she was... Type of situation. A wheel. And everybody else was enjoying each other's company and she felt left out. And so she kind of literally acted out... Mm-hmm. For the attention, hoping that, you know, it would be real. It would be friendship. Someone would want to reach out and know her. But it was inappropriate. And nobody there felt comfortable. And she was very confused by that. Yeah. Um. So another thing, a lot of manipulation. So much manipulation. And the reason why we see the manipulation is because that's the way the show is created. Yeah, like, the show is not trying to hide the fact that she is behind the scenes kind of um, engineering, organizing, creating these fake situations. Yeah. Like she's... With Paula's help. With Paula's help. So these people that she's interacting with think that it's just a normal interaction, but in actuality, she has figured out exactly how to make it go a certain way. So there's a lot of manipulation involved. Um, we mentioned the lying. Lots of lying. Yeah. It, there's rarely a thing she says in season one that is true. Yeah. And um, she's very hung up on needing external validation. Mm-hmm. Um, among the people we meet, so we have Josh Chan, but there's another guy that kind of ventures the scene when she gets to West Covina, and it just happens to be josh chan's best friend mm-hmm. um she didn't know like that was a surprise for her that was like a plot twist for her because she knew that josh chan was gonna supposedly be at home base which, which is, is a the, bar which is the bar and so she goes there and she's like waiting to casually bump into him and she meets another guy she meets another guy greg who into her immediately because she is emotionally unavailable yep and uh, yeah we see a lot of this kind of playing out josh is uh, emotionally unavailable to her and you know there's a lot of interplay of just dysfunction in potential relationships yeah but she's got it in her head that it's magical and beautiful and kind of like a disney princess narrative Yeah. yeah um and then I think it's good. The last one I have on my list is like codependency. Mm-hmm. And that really comes up with Paula. Yeah. So we see Paula going out of her way, doing all of these things to help Rebecca. Things that she doesn't even tell Rebecca about, but she goes above and beyond. And Rebecca makes choices that aren't aligned with what Paula would want her to do. And she gets really resentful. Um, and so they're kind of really codependent together in yeah. season one. Yeah. Like an example of the lengths that Paula would go in season one. Um, Rebecca gets put in this situation where she needs to go see Josh or, you know, so she shows up there all hysterical saying that like, you know, somebody broke into my house and I just don't want to be alone. You know, kind of like trying to... Which is incorrect and a lie. <clears throat> Nobody broke into her house, um, but she's trying to... To keep him from seeing a text that she sent. Yeah, it's a whole um, it's a, hijinks situation. It's a very stressful episode. 
Um, so she's lying. She's saying, oh, I came over here because I got, you know, my house was broken into and I just got scared. And so I came here because I didn't know what to do. And she's just lying, just lying, lying yep. off the top of her head. Yep. Um, and because she had mentioned that, you know, the window was broken, like there was glass everywhere, blah, blah, blah. She asked, she has to ask Paula to go to her house and throw a rock through the, the window. window. Um, but it happens to be like, you know, a time in Paula's life where she's trying to get closer to her husband right. because things have kind of like soured mm -hmm. and she's feeling not content or happy. And in the middle of the date night, she's like, this is an emergency. We need to go. And she takes her husband with her mm -hmm. and they end up doing it, doing that event together and. It ends up being good for their marriage, but... It's still the, very dysfunctional. It's still very dysfunctional. Because she basically was like, don't ask any questions. Just, just do it. Just do it. And Paula was like, right away. And so they run over and they throw a rock through... Um, sorry, I want to call her Rachel because that's the actress's name, but her name is Rebecca in the show. Um, throw a rock through her window so that when Josh walks in, he sees that and thinks, oh, yeah, it looks like someone broke in. Yeah. But just... It's madness. It's hijinks. It's mm -hmm. none of it's real. They're creating this false reality for him. Um, so they're very codependent in season one. And that does sort of become apparent. It's not something that is made cute in the show. Yeah. It's very clear that there's something not super healthy about mm -hmm. their dynamic. And they start to address it a little bit in season one. And you can... I think the way that they really pinpoint that is among the codependency, you also start to see Paula's, um, it's, I don't know what. Resentment? No, I don't know if it's resentment, but basically when it seems like Rebecca is getting some sort of clarity about a situation, Paula feels the need to pull her back into the fantasy. Yeah. And I don't know if that would be codependent or if that is um, just one's own personal. Well, it's very enabling. Yeah. It's enabling this kind of really dysfunctional stuff that she's doing. But for a selfish reason. Right. Because she wants to have the excitement in her life. Yeah. Like she needs, it's, it's like she needs this romance to be real yeah that's the vibe that i get from paula is that she needs this and yeah. she, i think she even says that yeah throughout season one like no like this is your love story becca like this is you know this is this part we can't of... back down you can't back down we're doing this we're gonna go even further yeah she makes a lot of references also to like the rom-com movies yeah she like, does this is the scene in the this movie where this is what now has to happen. So how do we make this happen? Yeah. So they're literally trying to create like a movie together with real people in real life. And it never works. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not reality. And the people around Becca, some of them can see like her behaviors aren't, aren't Healthy. normal. Yeah. Like they're kind of like, there's something up with this person. Yeah. I don't trust her. Yeah, she seems a little off. She's, I don't know about this person. But, yeah, um, season one, in comparison to some of the other seasons, is a little lighter. But um, there's still a lot of stuff in there that's, you kind of go, wait, what? Is this supposed to be a rom-com? A rom like a romance? Because it's not, this isn't cute. This is a little illegal. This is a little messed up. The way yeah. there's controlling going on. There's a lot of lying and it doesn't feel right yeah so it's a really cool show it's a really good setup i think season one is very solid the songs are incredible yeah which we can get into we picked a, there's a lot of songs there's at least one song in every episode yeah and um my favorite of the entire first season and possibly of the entire show is just the title of the song is you stupid bitch <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's beautiful. It's just so beautiful. It's kind of like um, a Celine Dion sort of concert 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like Rebecca in her imagination goes out on stage and sings this ballad. And uh, she's mm. got a huge audience of people singing along with her. And the lyrics are like, you ruined everything, you stupid bitch. You've done it now, Rebecca. You know, and it's basically her sitting and kind of hating herself because she, she sees when her actions hurt people and she doesn't stop her actions, but she does hate herself. Yeah. She does, you know, turn it inwards and see like, oh, I'm a bad person. So it's kind of like that moment of self-pity is where that song comes out. Mm. And it's just so beautiful. Like, it's so f- fun, but also sad. And the song, in my opinion, is so relatable. Yeah. To my own experience. Like, feeling like you... Because there are elements to Rebecca's behavior that I know have kind of played out in my life before. Um, and that is how it feels when something blows up back at your face Mm -hmm. it's like you just feel so stupid and you feel like you're the worst person and how could anybody love you and you know this stuff always happens and i'm a good person so why why can't i get you know just that like that place yeah so that song um you stupid bitch i mean i think it's I can say, even if you don't want to watch the show, which you absolutely should, it's fantastic. All of the songs are on Spotify by season. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them are just incredible songs. Yeah, You Stupid Bitch is a great song. And I think we can all relate to it on some level of that, like, wow, I really screwed up. I am the absolute worst. And that's the vibe of the song. Yeah. Um, I know that one of my personal favorites was... The villain of... I'm the villain in my own story. The villain in my own story. I wrote it down. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the vibe of that one? Um, It's it's one of those songs where Rebecca is in a really dark place. And she is kind of having this revelation that everything she's doing and all the pain that she's in... Is because of her own actions. Mm -hmm. And it's like you see this part of her that is so capable of being introspective and taking in like very like deep thoughts, Mm -hmm. like deep emotional thoughts. And you're just kind of with her in that. And definitely you know relating to those moments in our own lives like where you that moment that you do realize that your actions are actually what is affecting what is happening in your life and the things that make you unhappy that you're actually the one enabling it and right um so in that song specifically um she's in the middle of kind of a a season-long attempt to steal um, steal Josh from his girlfriend mm-hmm. and this song comes about when she kind of realizes oh my god the things I'm doing the way that I am trying to steal this other woman's boyfriend away I've been looking at this story as though like I'm the hero and I'm the good one and I'm gonna win at the end am I the villain yeah because she's really upset and she's hurting and I'm hurting her. Am I the villain? So yeah, it's a really introspective song. And what's frustrating about it is that she kind of gets somewhere with it. She thinks it through and then her behavior doesn't change. Yep. It kind of, it kind of changes something smaller. Mm -hmm. Like she'll have a revelation and apply it to, maybe the next thing mm-hmm. but then it, it just spirals mm-hmm. if it doesn't go according to plan or if you need even if it does go according to plan it's just like anything kind of triggers a spiral a spiral yeah especially when she feels like she's made a connection with somebody um i think that it gets to a point where she doesn't want to ever lose it. Mm-hmm. 
and the moment that it seems like someone's upset with her or or is catching on to what is really going on behind the scenes that's when she really starts to like act out out of like desperation yeah because she's afraid of abandonment yeah it's her biggest fear and that's very clear from season one and then um so yeah it's like she has these moments she's very smart her character is set up as a really intelligent person yeah like there's no question that rebecca is the smartest person in the room however it's not she doesn't struggle with smarts she struggles with emotional you know just like dysfunctional sort of like ability regulation yeah emotional regulation um so it's like it's not that she's stupid she's not even close to stupid she's not even that she's she's not a horrible person no she's very sweet and her heart is big and you Mm -hmm. can see that she's very lovable she tries to be genuine in all of the ways that she can but some of those expressions of being genuine are more devious and manipulative right than than actually healthy and i think that that's the part of it is is it's like not so much about good and bad it's more like healthy or unhealthy yeah and where do you bridge that gap Mm -hmm. because it's not about cutting people out of her life it's how she's like connecting with them yeah, she's and how trying. she keeps those connections and what she does. Like, she'll go into financial trouble. Mm-mm. Like, the party bus was not cheap. Nope. And there's other things in the <coughs> show that really show the financial um, strain. strain that she puts on herself because she needs to fund these hijinks. Yeah. And she doesn't even think about it until she's trying to buy... A plane ticket somewhere. Yeah. And then she's and, like, oh my god, how much money have I spent? And then she plays over all these moments in, yeah. and it's like, over oh, the span of this yeah. time being there. <laughs> Very impulsive. Very <clears throat> impulsive. But I agree with you. It's it, it really is an interesting first season. Like, clearly the show... It knows where it's going. Mm-hmm. It's very clear once you're later on in the series, series, yes, that they set it up from the start. They knew what was going on with Rebecca, and they were kind of planting all of these seeds along the way for yeah. you to realize what was going on with her and for her to realize. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not about her being a good or a bad person. Even though in her mind, she's very clear, like, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And when she ever feels like a bad person is when she spirals. Mm-hmm. But um, as the as the viewer, it's very much kind of like a gray area from the very beginning. Yeah. She's very lovable, very kind, very thoughtful. And at the same time, very devious and very controlling and very manipulative. Mm-hmm. And we get to see her as all of that and um no judgment made other than i really hope she gets some help yeah yeah um which is part of why i said it's a really compassionate show about mental illness because yes she does a lot of things that are very uncool but you never really think of her as a bad person no I think I'm trying to like put myself in a in the shoes of somebody who would be watching this out of nowhere without any background mm-hmm. information and how I would perceive season one. Yeah. Um. If I didn't know anything about mental health, and I could definitely see it being confusing. Mm. Um. Because they do go into psychological depths that are portrayed in, like, very witty and interesting songs. Kind of catchy songs. And it's kind of a shout-out to musical theater. But these songs are very, like, to the point. Like, they're very realistic. Like, they mention very, like, things based in Rebecca Bunch's reality. Yeah. Um... Which is what makes the songs like You Stupid Bitch and 
the villain in my own story. Yeah. Um, so powerful for me because I've had similar moments. Yeah. You know. Um, so listening to those songs and knowing what I know, you know, the show is so much deeper than what maybe it would appear on the surface. Right, because on the surface it kind of does appear like this quirky, manic pixie dream girl rom-com setup where it's all going to work out in the end. You know, it's all going to be worth it. But it's very clear if you're looking even slightly beneath the surface. Like, that's not what's going on here. No, you can tell it's going somewhere. Yeah, but you're not sure where in season one. You're just like, I like this person, but she's... She might need some help. Mm-hmm. What's really going on here? Like, really, they do an interesting thing where it seems like the plot is about Josh Chan. Mm-hmm. But on some level, it becomes a very... God, it's like so well-crafted. Mm-hmm. It's just so well-crafted because it's like we can externalize our problems Mm -hmm. and where we find our source of happiness. Like this is the, like for Rebecca Bunch, like Josh is the answer to all of her unhappiness. Like if she gets him back in her life, things will go back to the way she felt when she was 16 and her life will never have any problems again. And we've also been there. Mm Mm-hmm. Where if we have this thing in our life, we'll never experience pain. We'll never, like, we'll have it all together. And just that, like, what we've seen in life, like, these are the things that make people successful. These are the things that make people look normal. I need to be normal, so I need these things. And I need to have these moments. And um, so it's like we have our Josh Chans, but... The main plot of this show is about Rebecca's struggle with mental health and trying to understand why she is the way she is. Right. Because she she can feel like the way we felt with our diagnosis that we didn't know about, like before we learned about DID, that we just couldn't get it right. Like there was something off. We felt like we weren't normal. And you couldn't put your finger on it. You couldn't put your finger on it. It was just like, there's anxiety, which we got treated for. There's depression. Um, but there was always just an element to it that it felt like things were inconsistent, yeah. which would be the dissociative episodes. Right. And we didn't have a family who was all about studying mental health and looking in deeper. It was like, oh, you're just exhibiting these things, so this is all it is. Right. And... Um, and we have a similar kind of story because we were, I think we were 15, maybe 16, when we were diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were put on meds, worst possible meds for us. And that's what we were diagnosed with. And so that's what we thought was wrong. And the thing is, like, just like Rebecca, yes, depression has been a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But it's a symptom. It's not the issue. Yeah. It took a very long time to actually understand that we had DID. Yeah. No, life is very confusing without the diagnosis. Right. So a good um, diagnosis, a correct diagnosis has been so useful and instrumental and in just healing for us because you, you can't fix what you don't know is wrong. Yeah. And that's kind of Rebecca's journey she in season one knows that she's not happy doesn't understand what's wrong but she has not gotten a correct diagnosis she will but not for a while yeah i mean season one is i don't know season one was pretty stressful in a lot of ways um because it did bring up a lot of memories of the people that I know with this diagnosis. Yeah. And how the things that Rebecca Bunch says I have actually heard from other from people. From other people. Like in my real life, 
say these things mm-hmm. and um, or act this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like I said. I mean, I avoided this show for years because of that. Because I was like, this particular diagnosis is difficult for everyone, um, and I've lived through it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I'm in a place where I can just enjoy a show about it. I think it's going to be very stressful for me. Mm-hmm. But, so you're saying that season one was stressful for you for that reason. Is it worth watching, though, even if it's stressful? Like, what What for you? I think that it was definitely worth watching. I think that, like, on some level, I felt it was, I felt it was important to really follow Rebecca on this journey. Because it's not like I don't love the people that have this diagnosis. It's not that I don't care about these people with the diagnosis. I think there's just elements to it that in the moment, in that point in time when they're acting out or they're spiraling or whatever, it's really stressful. And so kind of seeing it from a third person perspective on a fictional tv show mm-hmm. um and following along her journey and her experience it's kind of like i wanted to open up that bigger perspective than what it was like actually living with yeah living in that position that bubble yeah yeah i agree it's it's really opened my eyes um i agree that like the things that Rebecca does and says and the way that she acts all feels very familiar to me. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that they did their research for this. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind that the person playing Rebecca has someone in her life who has experienced this. Like, she knows what she's doing in this part. And it's done so well. Mm-hmm. And it's also done very kindly. Yeah. Um... So season one uh, wraps up with one song called One Indescribable Instance. And it kind of like leads us into season two. Um, And we picked out that song to discuss a little bit too, because it kind of shows you some of her mentality and like where it comes from. So what would you say about that song, One Indescribable Instant? Um, I think it really centers in like the obsession of one, like something she felt as a young, young child like a fantasy that she had as a young child that she wants to bring into her life. And she thinks it's in this like one indescribable moment mm-hmm. that all of her life is going to make sense. And this is, she's finally going to get her happy ending. Right. And um, so- I think she feels like in that time period, she's finally about to get it. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of in the world of the show, the song is from a sort of children's movie that Rebecca used to watch when she was a little kid. And it's kind of what I would imagine a sort of Disney-esque princess story to be. Because all throughout the episode, she's referencing this animated movie she used to watch as a little kid called... Oh my god, what was it called? I I can't remember, but it's, it's it's very Disney. And it's about a princess who meets a prince. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's, you know, singing that song to herself. And um, yeah, it's kind of this interesting thing that I've seen on people in real life yeah. who struggle with these things, which is the romanticized version of what life will be. And that when you find the one perfect person... Um, just like Disney tells us, right? Like everything is perfect from that moment on. Yeah. And um, that is part of Rebecca's struggle is she truly believes that. And that isn't how life works. Yeah. Well, and it ends where she basically gets what she's been going for. Yeah. The end of season one, she actually gets Josh Chan. Uh, which, you know, as the as the viewer, I find it very interesting because I would be surprised if many viewers watching it kind of were like, yes, awesome, Rebecca, you did it, great. 
because we've seen how it's all unfolded and how manipulative it was and how she doesn't even really like him for him. It's just what she imagines him to be. Yeah. There's it's for her. It's this great moment of like, yes, it's finally happened. My one indescribable moment. Now my life is perfect. But for anyone watching who's been with her this season, you're like, oh, dear. Mm -hmm. This is not going to end well. Well, and she ends up because she's so she's so sure that this is the moment Mm -hmm. that she's been waiting for. And it's now going to be happily ever after from this point on that now's the time that she can tell him she moved to West Covina to be with him. And the look on his face afterwards is something that... It's very WTF. And that's what we're left on. That's the end of season one is just Josh looking kind of horrified like, wait, what? You know? And that's that's the end of season one. Yep. Rebecca's excited. Everything's magical. Josh is like, wait, hold on a second. What? And uh, yeah, man, season one is great. Um, I think... It's kind of funny, like, uh, I read somewhere that it was meant to air on one of the premium channels, like Showtime or Mm -hmm. HBO or something like that, which kind of sets the bar for how good it is. Like, the songs, um, just the setup, like, everything about it is so well written. Like, it was written for a premium channel, which it was originally. And then it didn't get picked up, and so it went to kind of, I think it's the CW, it went to another channel. And uh, so... It didn't do well ratings-wise, um, but everybody who has seen it is kind of like, oh my god, this show is amazing! And it's because it was quality from the start, and it just kind of got rerouted to a different channel, and yeah. nobody ever really saw it when it was originally on. But now that it's on Netflix, more people are seeing it, and they're like, whoa, 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 hidden gem, what is this? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely... I'm definitely enjoying seeing... Rebecca's process and getting yeah. to like actually feel like you're getting to know know her and really seeing that she wants to change she wants to feel better oh, that's the key right like all she's wanting is to feel better and we can totally resonate with that just like I just want to be better yeah I don't want to keep struggling like this and you know, when we hit those lows, it is hard to pull yourself out of there. And... Yeah. No, I think it's done so well. I mean, all the characters, maybe not initially, when they're first introduced, it depends on the character, but as you go along, they're all very lovable. It yeah. kind of reminds me of the Parks and Rec cast, mm. which is another show I absolutely love. And they are all just so lovable every single character on that show and i feel the same way about crazy ex-girlfriend yeah yeah i agree and they all have their own little quirky things mm-hmm. about they have them. their own lives going on and so it's kind of nice the way that they're able to portray such a vast picture of intersecting the... lives yeah. yeah so that about covers season one i mean that's the information that you get from season one there is more as you go down the line. And um, next podcast will be about season two. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to add or? No. I think. I definitely suggest you guys watch it if you're going to be okay. Um, like, Could you say that this would be a triggering show? Um, honestly, yeah. Okay. So that's um, fair to say. There you go. It's more along the lines of. You might put yourself in a position where maybe you relate to something that Rebecca has done Mm -hmm. and maybe it's not portraying it in a way that, um, like if you're not wanting to be introspective, Mm -hmm. like if you're not willing to risk that moment, because I definitely have had those times where I'm like, if I watch this it's going to make me ask questions. I don't yeah. want to. Do you think it's so. a show you could watch casually or do you think it's going to make you question things? I think if you're watching it for entertainment, mm-hmm. um, 
then no, you wouldn't be questioning things. But if you're like us with some mental health awareness, mental health, like going to therapy and kind of working through a lot of triggers and emotional dysregulation problems, Mm -hmm. then... You know, just gauge yourself. If yeah. You're... There are, like, certain arcs in this series that I consider very stressful to watch. And um, I've cried over. Like, I get emotional about it. It's not a bad thing, but you have to be in the right mindset for it. Yeah. Which, do you think that's fair to kind of give, like, the trigger warning they put on the top of the episode through, like, through all of the series? Should I tell everybody that? Sure. So, you know how Netflix um starts out new episodes you know you'll see like those words at the top of the screen that'll give you the trigger warnings basically so maybe it'll be smoking or um drug use or whatever whatever so this entire show they only have one that's listed and i don't fully agree with that either because there's some other things in it but the main one and it's listed on top of every episode is suicide yeah and so just know that going into this show that will be a thing that sort of is addressed later on. Not in season yeah. one, except kind of what like it's mentioned. Like it's, I, I meant we said mentioned briefly she mentioned. Had. She had a, an attempt earlier in her life. But just know going forward that it will be addressed in a more direct way. Yeah. I think that's fair to say, right? Are you yawning? Come no. on, dude. <laughs> You're on the air, God. So rude. Okay. Well, this guy's tired, so <laughs> we'll end it here. And next will be season two. I do suggest uh, giving it a go if you feel like you're up for it, if you're in an okay place for it, because it's so good. And the songs are genuinely, most of them are just really funny. Yeah. No, I I enjoy all the songs so far. Yeah. Some of them hit you, you know, like they get you in the heart strings, but some of them are just super, super funny. All right. So uh, that's it for season one. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Fantastic show. Has broken my heart and rebuilt it. So, <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, guys, for All listening. Right. See you next time.